Check this out, man. Oh, there he is already. Listen, yeah. listen, man. Don't, don't, don't <laughs> have a hard time. Just, just check, just check, check I, this I know, out. I know, I know, I know, I know. Shut up. I know. See, there he is. What the hell? So, check this out. Check this out. Check this out. I got a message from a listener that well, you, uh, your inbox be staying blowing listen, up. Listen, I, oh, I, I get some of the weirdest shit. It's always such a No, no, no. This, well, uh, Secret marketing going on. Listen, 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 listen. Don't do that to me. Don't do that to me. Don't do that to me. You know my mother listens to you. Don't let me shit on you. Come on, man. Dag. Okay, so I gotta, you know, I think because I engage with the public more than you guys, I get something weird on Anyway, that's a whole other thing. So I got a message from a listener, and the listener was like, he believes. That he is a side nigga and he doesn't know if he's a side nigga or not. Listen, so your man, he said he met this woman at his job, a friend through an associate of his. And he told the woman up front, he's somebody, I think old boy said he's, well, he's close to 40, if not 40 yet. And he's ready to settle down. So he started talking to this lady. They've been talking for a little bit. And then I think when he started to see things get a little bit serious, and I'll put that in quotations. He went, he was up front with him, was like, you know, I'm looking for someone to settle down with. I'm not really looking to play all these these shenanigans, as the as the folks say. <laughs> as you say. <laughs> so, what, so what ended up happening is that he said he's been they've been having this tighter relationship for about six to seven months now, but Dang it right. always seems to be the same thing. They have lunch, she'll pay. Or she comes, she slides through at night to his house so he can beat the backs off. But he has never been to her house outside of the folks that he works with or that they work with. He doesn't know her friends and he knows about siblings but has never spoken or seen said siblings. So he said, am I tripping or am I actually the side nigga and what the red flags are? So, because I just stay in my house and read my Bible and had my children through Immaculate Conception, I want to make sure <laughs> you guys go ahead and talk about the red flags of being a side nigga. L, go ahead, go ahead, start talking. I know you. I know you oh, uh, uh, L was perplexed. <laughs> Okay, let me tell you the truth. I'm perplexed for, for two reasons. First off, the fact that this dude wrote us a letter about him being the side piece. That's right. number one. Number two is, bro, why do you care if you're the side dude? You're getting... All Okay, go ahead. Well, he no, wanted to settle I, down. I, he, not, wanted, he wanted to settle down, though. He said he wanted to settle down. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, he wanted, to settle, he wanted to settle down. He's not. He's not in that hold zone. Up. He's not in that zone. Hold up! Hold up! Hold up! Hold up! Okay, hey, hold up! You let do this. You asked me. Why did you, you do this? Go first. I'm okay, going go first, and I can't. I wanted to rap finish. 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 Bruh, if you are getting all of the benefits of a relationship without any of the other shit that comes within the relationship and you in your 40s 
and this is working out for you and there's no complications why are you introducing complications into this relationship <laughs> bruh and I'm always ready to give somebody that bad advice. The nigga said he wants to settle down, and he thinks okay, that he turn out. Don't don't let the fact that you may be a, a side, whatever, be the reason <laughs> that you don't. Because I don't I don't particularly you know I don't use that term. I get you. That I get you. That side dude. If if the side dude is the reason why you don't want to settle down with her, if that's the problem, then walk away. But if everything else is cool. I, I don't know. For me, for me at my age, where I am, that sounds like the perfect relationship. <laughs> Nigga, but you've been married for how many you know years? What the fuck you know? <laughs> What does that have to do with me saying? No, man, listen, he ain't got no kids. Oh, he ain't got no kids with this chick. Man, you your own crib. You got all the bruh. That's, Look. Listen, hold on, because let's, let's, let's keep it 100. Being right. married is work. Yeah, okay. definitely. Can, can, can we be able to be Being in a relationship is work. Being in a situation where you can have sex, lunch, and they go to their crib when it's all over? <laughs> yeah, you by yourself, you get to do your thing. Okay. I'll be the bad guy. Send all of your responses to all of the None of these dudes are going to be honest. Crush, I'm hoping that you have better advice for this man than L does. I mean, you know, I mean, to keep it basic, man, I mean, perception is reality, brother. If you, if, if you, if you, you know, if, if, if you feel like, you know, if you feel like the appetizer, not the entree, you know what I'm saying, then. Be content, you know what I'm saying? Be, be content with that role because, you know, asking for more is just asking for trouble. You know, that's, mm. that's to be honest. And, and if, if, if what you want, if what you want is not there, you have no obligation, nothing stopping you from, from, from finding what you want right now. Right. She, she's not putting, she's not putting any restrictions on you to find mm. what you want. You know what I'm saying? And in fact, she probably will not mind at all. In fact, she might be, she should probably be happy for it. You know what I'm saying? So, I mean, <laughs> at, at the end of the day, at the end of the day, you know, uh, perception is reality, man. You, you, man, you probably are the, the mac and cheese to the, you know what I'm saying? He knows he is, though. And that's to, the, to the country that fried steak, you know what I'm saying? Bro. He know he's the, the, the mac and cheese, the mashed potatoes. He know he is. You know, you know. He know all the red flags. And you gonna write? I'm see, I, see, see, see. What, what, see, what he was hoping was for? What? He, no, 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 so I mean, you don't have to write in and ask if you if you see the flags. You know the color. You know. You know. You know. He knows. You know what I think it is. All jokes aside, I, honestly, there he goes. There he goes. And I'm, 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 I'm fucking with you. With a, with a, with a bailout. With Obama bailout. Go ahead. Come on. Nick, I just that said I agree with you. Why you always gotta be no. such a? Go ahead. Come on. Go ahead. So you know what you. You are the you are the the stereotype of every light skinned dude I've ever met. So you need oh, to chill out. Okay. So a light skin joke. Listen, I'm okay. saying what I'm saying is I agree with everything you guys have said. I think right. to be honest with you, the one part that he right. didn't put in the message that mm -hmm. I think is glaring is that she's got his nose open. Otherwise, he wouldn't be asking the question. 
That's the one part that I think. Because otherwise, let's let's be real. Like you said, if everything is moving in this direction and you don't have any obligation, she hasn't put any uh, what's the word I'm looking for? She hasn't put an ultimatum on you, and no you have You know what I'm saying? I mean, I mean, the frequency got, is important. So you said six months. I mean, are they see is he getting lunch every week, every that's, other day? That's, he's like, he's like that's, every other day they meet out for lunch, and she's always. See the the, the the hours, the hours, the, the whole hours thing, man. The whole hours thing, like you know, like he, daytime. He, yeah, I'm saying see, he he's 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 part of a regiment. He's part of a regiment. He's part of a regiment. Not a lifestyle. What's what's the the right? 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 He comes what's the the bench. He's a role player. What? Play your role, bro. Yeah, yeah. listen. Robert Roy got seven rings. Play your role. Play your role. Which gets standing. You know what I'm saying? Right. Oh, right. I, I just thought. You clearly did not make the lead role. And that's okay. I just thought about this. I'm still getting paid by scale. You know what I'm saying? Given that she always comes to see him at his house. Oh. Do you think? Shut up! I'm trying to. I think it's great. I, do you I just, think like, yeah. what? Do you think there's a possibility that she's married? Well, she and that's somebody. why I don't give. <laughs> it doesn't really matter. She's paying really for matter. my meals. She's giving me sex <laughs> in the midnight hour, and she's going in the morning. He doesn't have to party. pick her up. He don't have to drop her off. I mean, yeah. no, 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 nothing. No, nothing. Uh, you, ever, you, ever seen, you, right, you ever seen not one of her? You ever seen not one of her friends in six months? Perfect. I don't like her right. friends anyway. <laughs> I don't like her motherfuckers anyway. Don't want to meet your family. Right. That, that's I, you know. Damn, shit, Uber budget yeah. alone. I got single friends that Uber budget through the roof. If you don't have to really? pay out the Uber. <laughs> 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 hey, listen, man. Them, them Uber rates late at night is high. There's a lot of drivers. right now. How do you how do you know how high the Uber budget is at night? I have a 24 year old daughter. Oh, oh, okay. You saved yourself. Come on, I know. <laughs> listen, I'm sorry for you, man. Sorry for you. The two o'clock text. Damn. Yeah, I get it. Yeah. I get it. Yeah. Trust. Yes. Welcome, welcome, welcome. What's up? What's up? What is up? Back once again, it is the Incredible in the Black podcast. And in case you weren't aware, this is a podcast dedicated to covering the current events and social issues going on in your black world and covering it all from the perspective of three grown ass men who always see the red flags. I am your host, Big O, Mr. In the Black himself. But you know, I can never do this alone. Let me introduce the rest of the far side. Crush, say what's up. What's good, everybody? That's a perfect song for that segue, bro. She keeps passing me by. Passing you by. Mr. Bad Advice yeah. himself, yeah. L. Say what's up. <laughs> Are the fish? <laughs> Listen, man. What's up, family? No doubt. No doubt. And we got a flags. special guest with us tonight. Carlos Enriquez. Los. What's Blessed going on, man? Blessed to be here, man. Blessed. I'm glad I'm in this fun conversation, nope. man. No doubt. I know well, we started you off on a wild foot, but I like we appreciate it. I like you coming it. through. No <laughs> doubt. No doubt. And if you're checking this out on YouTube, make sure that you hit that thumbs up button, subscribe, hit that bell, all of that stuff. It helps and goes a long way. And if you really dig what we're putting down, please make sure you follow us across social media at In the Black PDCST on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. But L, please tell these good folks how they can become part of the family if they want to become part of the family man head over to our website man www.intheblackpodcast.com up in the right hand corner you can click the become family tab and we have upped our patreon game man we got a number of tiers come through you can be a homie lover hater friend uh 
there's red flags you'll see all over the page. <laughs> <laughs> I keep telling you everyone, hey, you the reason for every single bit of hate mail we get, my guy. Every single bit of it. Or you can just do cash yet, man. Dollar sign in the black PDCST. And now for, for all of our new patrons, man, we sincerely appreciate all you rap bastards. You guys yeah. are awesome yeah, for no the work doubt. that you do. No Even doubt. though we really hate you deep yeah. down inside and we just want some money. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I mean... <laughs> All the honesty is all this. It's how deep the love is. We just, we just lost uh, deep we just love lost every single There's some love right deep there. down in there. there we is just lost every in. single one. This guy dig deep. <laughs> but before we jump into the conversation, L, let's go ahead and do the pies check-in, man. Hey, man, this is one of the more in, most important segments of this particular show, man. Uh, something we've really instituted, we've been talking about our holistic health for a number of years now and we do a pies check-in pi stands for physical intellectual emotional and spiritual we go around the panel we ask those questions and you are able to expound on each one of those or you can just say hey this week for physical um a five and leave it at that um you go as deep as you want to uh as light as you want to and uh, to show how it looks, I'll start it off. Uh, this particular week, physically, uh, I feel pretty good, man. I've gotten uh, decent rest. I really tried to up my water t- intake uh, to make sure my water to coffee intake, <laughs> that ratio is leaning right. more towards the water, bro. Right. Uh, <laughs> so it is. Intellectually, I'm good, man, because uh, school is whipping my ass. Mm-hmm. Um, these damn discussion, you know, discussion questions, man. The motherfuckers, these professors want pages for three and discussion, yeah, pages. three and four yeah. pages for some bullshit. Now, emotionally, emotionally is where it gets a little uh, different. I this past week, I have not been good emotionally at all uh, with the murder of Dante Wrights. Uh, it, it sparks and triggers many things in me and it's been difficult this week for me and my family. Uh, spiritually, I'm decent. Uh, when I get in an emotional state, I think that's when I probably talk to God the most, mm. even though I'm usually saying what the fuck is going on. But either way, we're having conversations. Nah, I can yeah. dig it. I can dig uh, it. Yeah. Lowe's, why don't you go next, man? Um, so I like this. I like this exercise. Physically, I was feeling I was feeling pretty good, except for when I was trying to figure out what shirt I was going to wear for this podcast. Um, wifey told me that I, ha- I had on a striped Freddy Krueger joint, and I looked skinny fat. So that that kind of just <laughs> took me right back down into the <laughs> into the gutter. But uh, I'll bounce back. You know, what I'm saying no doubt I'll bounce back tomorrow. I'll get on the hydro roll and I'll roll it out. Um, intellectually, I, I you know I find myself uh, being an overthinker. Um, and I, I guess it ties into my emotional, my emotional, I'm feeling a little edgy, um, with the current news what's going on with the Derek Chauvin trial, with what happened with Dante Wright. I, I find myself at crossroads where, um, I have a mix of emotions between anger and edginess and distrust. And, uh, and then, and then I try to figure out if there's a solution for it. And, and that's when my mind starts to get into kind of think overthinking mode. So I, I find myself intellectually busy that way. Um, and then spiritually, I think I, I'm still maintaining because I've, 
at this age now with enough gray hairs to know that, you know, I've been through it a few times before being able to deal with it a little bit better, being able to use um, exercise as an outlet and just find, finding good spaces to exist in, in the moment and being present. Dope. That's my pies. Crush, go ahead, man. All right. Well, um, physically, I got to be honest, I guess I'm around the five, to be honest. I just uh, had my first dose of the uh, the Pfizer shot, and I went through a couple mm. of days of lethargy there and got a little lazy by getting my bike back together. Uh, so I really need to focus on that so I can get myself back up to at least a seven. Um, intellectually, um, I, I find myself a little scattered, um, a little disorganized. Um, so, you know, with you know everything going on, professionally and creatively and uh, with what's going on in the news um you know i feel a little bombarded and a little my mind going in several different directions at once um you know in terms of solutions and uh, new questions and uh you know how to deal with different uh, scenarios um in, emotionally um i would say i'm kind of uh you know in a in a kind of a placid place you know, at around i would say a six for the most part, you know, with you know, everything coming up, um, yeah. for me and my family, um, and spiritually, um, yeah, I would say I'm at around about a five, to be honest, you know, still in a very exploratory stage, very questioning, you know, my doubts. So, uh, yeah. yeah I dig it. For me, physically, I'm about a seven or an eight, uh, trying to, like El was saying before, just trying to make sure to drink my water and get the sleep that I need. And these days, I don't know if I'm necessarily doing either one of those like I'm supposed to, but I'm trying. So there's that. Uh, intellectually, I think I'm about a seven or an eight still. Got a bunch of projects that I'm working on right now. So I've got myself very focused. And that's been a good thing uh, for the first time in a long time because I'm coming up on some anniversaries that I really don't <clears throat> that I'm really not a fan of. Um, emotionally, I'm probably like a four or five. One of my homeboys, and I know we had this conversation a while back on the show. Uh, one of my homeboys, John, who passed away at the beginning of mm. the pandemic. That's right. Uh, he, his birthday, yeah. his birthday was today, so mm. uh, he would have yeah. been forty-five years old, and uh, it's it, it hits me that he would have. Like I said, he would have been 45 years old today. And the fact that it's been a year and everything just happened so, so fast, like time flies by so quickly and you don't even, you don't even recognize it, man. And just thinking about his passing and the passing of his sister and his mom. And then on top of all this other stuff that we've been seeing going on in our, in the environment, man, it's just been, um, it's just been getting to me, but uh, spiritually, I'm, I'm not going to lie to you, man. I'm probably still in that four or five range, man, because sometimes you start questioning things, Not maybe not necessarily the presence of God, but then sometimes you question, like, your ability to reach him or, like, are you not saying the right things? Like, what's what, like what's going on? What's what's happening in this conversation that it seems like you're not listening sometimes? And I, I've battled with that a little bit for the past week and some change, so. Uh, yeah, that's where I'm at for the week, man. And you know, the funny part about the, the spiritual part that we've all mentioned is in my study, because this is one of the things that I've been looking at is how, you know, our ancestors have dealt with our relationship with white supremacy, racism, and God, God's role and place 
in all of that. So our responses are literally many of the same responses that I found in the slave narratives that when they're going through, they're in the very same place that we are right now. And I find that so incredibly fascinating how it hasn't changed in all those years. And I don't Do know if it's comforting. Will. No, absolutely not. So I know there's some people that find comfort in the fact that this is not brand new. No. Oh, no. <laughs> that, that, that fucks me up even more. <laughs> nah. We need to grow. We still yeah, going through shit? Nah, right. I can dig yeah. it. Right. I can dig it. <clears throat> All right. We're going to jump into the meat and potatoes of the show. This week, our black mm. box letter is actually a message from a homeboy named Travis that I think it's pretty timely. Uh, the other night, and given our guests and everything that's been going on in our last conversation that we had last week, actually, uh, yesterday, um, Jada Pinkett had Bobby Brown on her episode of Red Table Talk. And mm. what he did, mm. he talked about him and Whitney's addiction and breaking generational curses and how mm. he thought that, I forget the young man's name, but that there's a gentleman that was, I guess, a close family friend that he believes uh, is responsible for both uh, Whitney and his daughter's death because he was supplying them with drugs and so on. And unfortunately, this gentleman has also already passed like a couple of years ago. So Bobby didn't even have an opportunity to confront him about his role and how things were mm. because Bobby was I actually, saw that. Yeah. because Bobby was in rehab at the time and by the, by the time he was able to get out the young man had already passed away uh, but the reason why this conversation became uh, stood out to me specifically is because of the conversation the continuing conversation we've been having about addiction, addiction and the portion that it plays in terms of generational curses for us, for our families, and what that actually means, what that looks like. Mm. Um, I know that there's some people that don't recognize that the term of generational curse. They look, they look at it as everybody has their own individual cross to bear, and they bear it and they deal with it, and that's the, I, that's a school. No, of I, thought. I, I don't know necessarily if I subscribe to that, but that's a school of thought. I thought it was very moving to see Bobby talk about what he believed was the catalyst for the problems that his daughter ultimately had, given the problems that he and Whitney had and how he wished that he would have done better and been better about that prior to to save it. Another part of that conversation that really got to me is how he's now now at 50 plus years old, now starting to be emotional and let himself grieve for the passing of Whitney and his daughter. He's like, he, he had put it off for years, but now he just finds himself just sitting in the corner at times crying because he hasn't learned how to necessarily deal with it. Um, I know coming from the household that I came from a cult African cultural household. And I've had this conversation on air as well with a father that has been battling alcoholism for all of my life. And I know many of the decisions that I make as a father now is in light of not repeating those things, being the exact opposite in many instances as my father was. I know that I won't say that. I'll let you guys speak for yourself. El, why don't you go ahead and kick it off next? Did, you, did he write a letter? 
this was a message that he wrote to me. He oh, asked a message. Tra- okay. yeah, me- gotcha. Travis messaged me. He was like, hey, he mm-hmm. watched the Red Table talk, and he he literally pivoted it to DMX in a conversation that we had last week. So gotcha. I thought it was very poignant. Okay, so I'll, I'll dig in. Uh, both of my parents, man, were heroin addicts. Uh, my mother died at when I was 11 from HIV AIDS-related heroin abuse. My dad died when I was 21 from the same thing, HIV AIDS, long-term heroin abuse. Uh, Then I left Philly and went to stay with an aunt who was deeply in the church. And that was probably where I first heard the term generational curse. Now within black church dumb, generational curse can be have a spiritual connotation to it also and i never particularly really subscribed to the spiritual component from it because it just didn't make logical sense for me but from a biological stance a social stance a you know environmental stance oh absolutely i believe that generational curses exist from the standpoint of um even from the standpoint of my younger sister uh, was born while my mother was still using and some of the battles that she's had with her health due to my mother's using would be a generational curse to me. Uh, that would be something that was passed down uh, in, and typically, you know, it wasn't intentional, but when you are someone who has an addiction disorder, I tend not to use that word addict because of the negative connotation to it. It, almost is a surrender to the addiction so we tend to use addiction disorder instead because everyone who has an addiction disorder is fighting addiction it just you know it's a deeper thing addiction has so many different components and layers to it uh but i see the correlation i understand the grief part that bobby is talking about uh I know, I hope Bobby is in therapy. Uh, I hope he is sitting and laying down on somebody's couch daily because of the weight of his own decisions, the blame that he places on himself, I'm sure, for Whitney's death, for his children's death. Uh, And it may not be a correlation between, you know, his children's addiction disorder and him, and it may be. Hmm. Uh, That's the difficult component about addiction. It's hard to actually assign uh, blame and responsibility. I think that's good. I think if you, you were able to assign blame and responsibility, it would make it more difficult to actually battle. But it's a heavy thing. I love the fact that we're beginning to have more open conversations about addiction disorders. But one of the things that I'm noticing that's revealing is that we are horribly ignorant uh, about how addiction works. And also, we're not very empathetic to folks who are battling addiction, man. Uh, particularly people in our own households. Uh, I know for me, and I stopped for years before I started going to therapy, at least once a week I would have a dream where I was actually committing an act of violence towards my father. Uh, and when I get to therapy, it all came out that that was my subconscious displaying the deep-seated anger that I had towards my dad, anger that I would never show during my waking hours that only came out in my self-conscious. Addiction's a monster, bro. It's hmm. a monster, bro. Lowe, so why don't you go ahead and kick it off next? Uh, man, I mean, it's, 
such a deep topic to, to talk about, but I, I am also glad that it's something that is being talked about. And I think, you know, to even go a level, maybe not deeper, but along the same lines is just looking at our behavior in general and how much of it is learned behavior, how much of it is innate. You know, I think that has a lot to do, especially in, in our communities in black and brown communities. You know, we, a lot of our history is oral. And so, mm -hmm. you know, because you only get it one way, either it's talked about or it's not talked about, which means you're either hearing someone else's perspective or you're going to experience it yourself and then develop your own. And there's, I think there's pros and cons to, to both sides of that. Um, but I mean, you know, it could go back to as, you know, when you learn violence is whether that's through a spanking and you think that you turned out right or whether mm -hmm. you become a parent and feel like that's something you don't want to pass on. Um, and I, so I think, you know, I think I also heard generational curse first in a men's fellowship uh, group that I was going to in a church. Uh, and it was really about, you know, someone did something against God and for four generations, the family was cursed. Um, but as I was dealing with that, I was also dealing with the relationship with my father. And, and after mm. going through therapy, I realized that there were things that I found out about him, you know, just to, starting with the perspective that I, I only know him from being his son. Right. You know what I mean? Mm. I don't know him from being his peer, a man of his age, mm. uh, a man from his time or anything like that. So, <clears throat> Once I started to to look into that and realize that these generational curses are also just learned behavior, oh, you know, cool. I started to ask, you know, my aunt and others, okay, what did he see as a boy? What was his relationship mm. like with his mm. father? You know, is he doing better than his father? And if that's the case, let me show grace instead of being upset mm. about that's and cool. anger about how I judged him. So just having those different perspectives on that we offer each other through these conversations, I think do a lot to highlight um, how we can break these curses, whether they are in fact spiritual or whether it's learned behavior that we've picked up along the way. Let's go. Crush. Yeah, I mean, um, I can definitely relate to a certain to a certain extent to the idea of uh these uh these vices, uh these crippling vices being passed down from one generation to another. Um I did have uh an uncle who I barely I didn't even get a chance to meet um because he had passed away from heroin overdose. Um, after taking one of my cousins over to California, away from away from my aunt, um, I saw how it how it impacted my cousins growing up, and um, and I saw the lack of empathy in my family as well. Um, so I can relate to I can definitely relate to how that perspective can be uh, fostered. But you know, knowing my cousins and knowing them how, how they knew their father, I got to see a different side of the situation. <laughs> and what, what, what kind of things he was trying to cope with, and so, but but at the same time, it was a coping mechanism that, unfortunately, one of them kind of normalized, mm. and it kind of, you know, shows up in the in, in the subsequent generation in certain ways that we did that we weren't that we none of us were prepared for. So yeah, I could I could definitely see the uh, the impact that these kinds of uh, these kinds of decisions can have, and and seeing how. Uh, especially with Bobby Brown's situation, you know, the, the, compo the compounding of how what his upbringing must have taught him about his emotions on top of his choices with drugs, even though it seemed apparent at one point that he was coming to terms with his, his drug use, but not to turn, not to terms with the kind of man he wanted to be until after he lost everything. Everything. If that is, I mean, I mean, that shit is his life. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I'm saying like you're, 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 you, you can never tell what your, what your, what your, what your, your moment's going to be. 
But mm-hmm. you know, it, it, it's, it's terrible to have to be this kind of tragedy, and then they have this much enlightenment for it. It's 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 a, it's a bittersweet victory for him in a, in a sense. Yeah, 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 yeah. And it's a challenging topic too, man. You know. Because on one hand, you want to be careful that you don't fall into the victim blaming where you're saying, you know, what about the personal responsibility? Why, you know, they chose that thing. Uh, And you don't want to absolve people of that. But I think you have to have the full picture, the context of it all. Yeah, there's a responsibility there. But there's also a whole biological, you know, aspect of it where. You know, drugs change your body and make your body dependent on the drugs. So at some point in time, your personal responsibility, you know, the ability to choose dwindles. Mm -hmm. And that's where I think that grace component has to come in. Yeah, I think I think before we learn that piece, though, we learn the disdain for the for the quote unquote decision. Right. So we we, no matter where I'm from, I'm from Roxbury, where Bobby Brown is from. So we Mm -hmm. learned that, you know. You're never supposed to be these things, although you're looked down upon. And it's not until you get to that point in your life where you see it up close, do you have even a chance of developing some empathy over that learned behavior that you picked up around the way. Hmm. So my question for you guys then is this. How do you ultimately break that generational curse that we've been talking about? Because there is a strong possibility that to counter one behavior, you ultimately pick up another negative or detrimental, destructive behavior to try and run away from it. I know that for me, because of my dad's behavior and his drinking, I've become more rigid, a lot more Mm. rigid in my day-to-day interactions with people and even with my wife and children. And that's something that I did mm-hmm. as a coping mechanism to try and not be like this dude, but it ultimately, and I'm 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 putting my whole heart and life on front street here. Ultimately, uh, I do it every week. So it caused okay. <laughs> it causes, I know that in some instances it does cause some difficulties with interpersonal relationships when you try to be one thing to counter another thing. So how do you ultimately break this generational curse then? Well, that's the thing, though, because when you go to uh, when a person who's battling an addiction disorder actually goes, begins to go to therapy, at some point in part of time, that part of the individual assessment plan is going to be to have the family come in and participate within the therapy sessions because families develop their own set and form of addiction norms just to cope with the parents. So for you, it's been a rigid, more conservative thing, but it's also been a force and a sign of bondage that you put yourself in out of fear because you don't want to end up emulating the behaviors of your pop. I did the same thing. I did it to a different extent. I just made sure that I avoided all forms of drugs. Like I've never smoked weed. I've never done any other type of thing. And I've always done it out of fear that addiction is so genetic that one puff, one thing, I'm going to end up an addict like my dad. That caffeine so, got you, though. And that caffeine, that caffeine. Listen, man, that's a real thing. And that do. That's a real, that, that's a real thing, that, yeah. that caffeine component. And yeah. again, so even with my caffeine or alcohol intake, 
I put stipulations and right. restrictions on how much I do because I'm afraid of falling into that attic component. So I won't drink more than two to three cups of coffee a day because I'm afraid that if I drink more than that, I want to develop a dependency. So I won't, I'll pick certain days that I'll drink alcohol and it's certain alcohol that I'll stay away from, Perhaps. you know, because of that. Oh my God, yeah. I don't want to end up in that component. Yeah, 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 yeah. I don't think it's until we get much older, to be honest with you, through the 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 opportunity of being able to sit down and talk with a therapist that we sometimes recognize the impact that our child rearing ages and so on have had an impact on us as adults. Like you never really put those things. You don't. Not everyone is able to put those things together. You know what I'm saying? Like for me, like I said, it's. I was chuckling at hearing you talk about staying away from all of these things because you didn't want to replicate your father. And for me, like alcohol, I don't even take aspirin unless I have to. Like I have to be about to die. You need to roll me on a cart before I put aspirin in my body. Yeah, yeah. Like it's, and my wife one time she was asking me, I think I had a, I'm allergic to ibuprofen. Like if I take Advil, I'll fucking swell up. It's a done deal. My airway closed up in the whole nine. Did you take some this morning? Because you look kind of swelled up right now. <laughs> <laughs> your face is kind of puffy. I just want to make sure that it's not. Oh, is that, oh, is that your third sweater? <laughs> that's, that's, that's your, 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 your neck looks crazy tonight. That's dark. You're looking crazy tonight. <laughs> I don't want to see nothing. I, I thought he had a lanyard on. Or one of those, you know, <laughs> yeah, no. Like, what's this, what's this linebacker like? shit going on here, man? What the hell, man? Hold on. Let's, let's get, 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 get the padding out. Jesus Christ. <laughs> Los. <laughs> I'm sorry. I, 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 had to, I, I had to let I, it out. I thought, I thought you were part of the team. You over here. You said jump. These dudes over here. You said jump. I thought you were going to pull out a VIP pass. I'm in here. I'm in here. That's what I'm talking about. My my My, my, my hatred for you has elevated. <laughs> <laughs> the impact that our families and our child rearing and all those other things has on us like it takes some real introspective to be able to say okay this is it this is where it comes from and ultimately am i willing to get some sort of help for it so nope i'm, I'm no man a lot of folks ain't willing to get the help bro yeah that's just yeah. facts bro yeah <laughs> I, I, i'm i mean i because I, I think a lot of people somewhere in their mid-20s begin to figure out the the ideals and the trade the ideals you want to adopt and the traits you want you want to oppose you know from from your upbringing i mean whether consciously or subconsciously yeah. you know um you do it a little more consciously i think in your later 20s it seems but you know once you start to identify those things but sometimes when we, we don't sometimes we, we, we reject the wrong things and not know it and not realize it until it's too late yeah no you're right about that shit Travis, I appreciate you giving me the message. I don't know if this is a t-shirt worthy, but I'll, I'll nah, think about it. You don't get no fucking t-shirt nah, for this nah, shit. I'll think, <laughs> I'll, I'll think. I'm not mean like Trojan. Fuck I'll Travis, think about it. I, I might send you. I might send you. <laughs> yeah, I'll get a t-shirt, huh? Travis ain't getting shit. You know what? Send that 40-year-old dude who's colorblind. Yeah, I, oh, that is shit. Right, oh, man, the colorblind dude. Yeah, please. All right, whatever, whatever, whatever. <laughs> All right, go ahead Please. and uh, go ahead. Let's keep the show rolling, man. Go ahead, Al. Oh man, changing gears, man. Uh, Dante Wright, man. Um, <sighs> this one was kind of uh, 
rough, man. If you guys don't know, we've, and well, you should know by now, uh, there has been another police-involved shooting uh, resulting in the death of a black male, um, Dante Wright. Uh, I won't even mention the 13-year-old young man from Chicago, Adam Toledo, who uh, was murdered by the police also. But Dante Wright, um, how the shooting unfolded. According to Chief Tim Gannon of the Brooklyn Center Police Department, officers pulled Mr. Wright over on Sunday afternoon for a traffic violation related to expired registration tags. Officers then discovered that he had a warrant for his arrest. As the police tried to detain Mr. Wright, he stepped back into his car, prompting a brief struggle with the officers, Chief Gannon said. In a graphic body camera footage shown to reporters on Monday, one officer can be seen pointing a handgun at him and shoot, shouting, Taser. After the call, car pulls away, the officer yells an obscenity and says, I just shot him to two other officers. This white female officer says that she mistakenly pulled her taser, uh, pulled her gun instead of her taser. She mistakenly pulled her black 31-ounce gun instead of her yellow eight-ounce taser and shot Mr. Wright. Um, real quick, this, this thing right here of traffic violations being the reason why we are pulled over is something that is called pretextual uh, arrest, yeah. where they see minor traffic violations and they use those traffic violations as a way of running your plates tags, and your yep. tags to yep. see if you have warrants. If you have warrants, they use that as a double whammy to incarcerate you. It is essentially another or a kinder, gentler way of saying racial profiling because the data shows that this thing overwhelmingly is a black issue, that black men particularly experience this pretextual uh, profiling at a rate greater than any other Four race times more or gender. Than any other race. Yep. Crush, the, the, to be clear, one more thing. The traffic violation was air fresheners. <laughs> Too many air fresheners hanging, hanging from, from his, his mirror. This man was pulled over, scuffle ensued, and a white police officer mistakenly pulled her gun instead of her taser, shot him, and Mr. Wright is no longer with us. Crushing and loose, man. Well, if you understand, uh, Officer Potter has been uh, charged and uh, we've already seen her in her jumpsuit. Um, the, the level of incompetence that continues to be displayed is, uh, you know, and, and the defense of it is far too quick to come out you know it, it's so it, it's so it's a, the, the way the media is already manipulating things is, is becoming too uh too too rote for it to be uh you know for, for, for us to be uh, fooled or or somehow placated with this um you know i uh you know, I, I, I feel for the the right family and 
I, uh, I can't, I can't imagine, I can't imagine the excuse of mistaking your taser for your gun for taking someone's life. It, it doesn't, it, it doesn't, it doesn't, it doesn't, it doesn't, it doesn't, it doesn't compute for me on any level. I don't. And, but it looks though, it looks as though the case may turn out, uh, it may, may turn out a certain way. I'm not, you know, not sure, but we'll see. But this, no, but go ahead, Lowe's. Use stars. I mean, th these are these are tough for me, and I guess you know I'm not. I don't think I'm that old. I'll be 45 this year. Um, but this is one of the things when I said I was intellectually torn. Like you know, sometimes I try to believe in the good of people, um, but sometimes my heart and my mind leads me to believe that this is more like Animal Planet than everything else. That, it, that it's, it's lions versus zebras and hyenas, and there's no real logic or justice to what we try to no matter what we try to wrap our mind around um that these are just belief systems and i, I much as i hate to say it i mean I, i'm still saddened by what happens but the surprise is is so long gone right mm -hmm. i think you know as kids once you saw what happened to rodney king and you saw those men walk or maybe younger if you're from boston it was charles stewart, charles stewart. you know and stuff like mm -hmm. that that you know at this day and age of my life i'm i'm more i'm more looking at myself and like, well, what is the, what's the solution? Like, what's the, you know, obviously Minnesota is off the hook. Not that all these states don't have their own issues, but facts, you know, the great yeah. migration, when we broke up and went into all these places where we, we became uh, about such a minority, it has weakened us in so many ways that we don't even really have a recourse for this action, except to sit and hope mm. the same system does something different. Like we're, we're resigned to living um, to, to resigning to insanity, our own insanity plea, right? Like we hope yeah. the press doesn't slander him before he gets his day in court. We hope the jury does the right thing. We hope that his colleagues arrest him. And you know, and and for every one that we might get, there was a, there was fifty five that we didn't get that never made it to camera. That it's just it's just lose lose for me, man. And I and I, I struggle with it more and more. I become numb to it and angry to it. And and I don't really understand what else we are going to do to. to to get to our next level of resistance. Um, but it's frustrating. It's frustrating. How did you deal with that, man, when you were a state representative in Massachusetts, man? Because, I mean, it's it's got to feel a certain way that coming from where you came from, ultimately being able to get into public service and then knowing that you have this, this expectation of you, right? That you're going to get there and you're going to do some things and then... And correct me if I'm wrong, but getting there and feeling like or not being able to do what you set your mind and your heart out to do. To talk a little bit about that, Lowe's. Sure. So, I mean, you know, growing up as a kid in Roxbury, um, you know, you see all these things in the nine, early ni late 80s and early 90s. And then um, public service got me into politics when I'm in my early, late 20s, early 30s. And of course, you have all these grand ideas of what you're going to do. I can remember when Trayvon Martin was killed, I was a sitting state representative. And I wanted to do something beyond. Of course, I felt angry. You know, I wore my, my hoodie to the chamber. Um, but the, but then I realized the monster I was up against. Like before mm. I wore my hoodie in the chamber, the Speaker of the House had already put out a memo saying no hoodies were allowed in the chamber to be worn over your head. You know what I mean? They're oh, already. Back, back that up. You said what? The, so on, it, so there's yeah. two brothers in New York mm -hmm. that did it, right? Two assemblymen that did it first. So now yeah. we're trying to follow the lead. And in the Massachusetts State House, the Speaker had already caught wind of that. And to make sure that it didn't happen in this house had already passed the house rule to make sure that we could not, we could wear the hoodie, but I could not put the hood on my head because it would have broken the dress code for the chamber. Wow. So when you start to see how organized and how far ahead this enemy is of us, 
that no matter what we do to resist. And so, you know, now I'm looking at the books to make sure there's no stand your ground bill coming to Massachusetts. And there certainly was one coming. So now it was like getting people to raise people's attention who were never looking at a bill like that until this young man is killed. So you can see the little incremental things that you do. But every time you do something incremental, you see them hit back tenfold. You realize how far ahead their vision, their action, and the, the, the will they have behind what they'll enforce to keep their power. You know, I, I think we underestimate our enemy far too often in this country still. Okay, so yeah. I, I want you to talk about that a little bit more, Los, because I know that even since you've left the state house, you're still politically and socially involved. And I appreciate yep. that about you. Thanks. But given what you define that, define that politically involved, what does that mean? So so I'll do I do a little bit of consulting for candidates. Okay. Um, okay. And, and and I still do civic training for people that want to get involved in their okay. community. Okay. 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 But with that being said, given everything that you've just described now, right, right. It, it feels like we should just be like, fuck it. We're right. not gonna win. We can't win. We've tried, we've even we've put black faces in office. And we thought that that would be the, the 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 mechanism to help get the change that we've been looking for, and that shit hasn't happened. Why should we even give a fuck anymore? And that's and that's the wrestling that I that I still do to this day. So right, it's it's the whether it's Marcus Garvey and we need to separate and get away from these people, or the James Baldwin reality that these people are never going to let you go, and our fate are, is tied together. Like we've been integrated into this burning house. And either we're going to figure out how to make it work together or we're all going to burn together, right? Yep. Now, but at least in the midst of that, I want to do my job. I still want to be the spook that sat by the door. I still want to be able to, to arm my people with information and weapons of resistance so that they, if they're fighting, whether it's internally in politics and getting you know parks clean and voting for more representation, which we need to do to increase our political power, cool. And if not, if it's about our self-sustainability and working with nonprofits or starting our own businesses, then I want to be able to do that too. But I definitely feel that tear. That's what I mean. Like if it's either fuck it, we got to get away from these people because this is animal planet and, and they're the lion and we're the hyenas and we're just, you know, they hate our, our children. We hate, you know, and we have to be defensive against them or we are in this house and we're going to figure it out. And that's a more long-term plan. And we got, then you have to live with those little incremental steps. So for me being like a chess player, I'm trying to play a short-term and a long-term mm -hmm. game at the same time. And it's, it's a struggle. It's a struggle. Listen, I the thing that I is admirable, but it's also like, bro, you know better. You know this monster better than most. You've seen this monster. You've been a part of this monster. You know that getting into office with these wonderful and I think great ideas of trying to create change from the inside out, change the system. But then when you get in that motherfucker, you see like, yeah, yeah, you look around. How do, how do you, how yeah. do you, do you, I guess the question is, do you warn people? Do you tell people like, yo, listen, man. Uh, <laughs> yeah, you, 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 you can warn them, but nobody listens. Right? <laughs> no, they it, man. Because the limelight is so bright. Like I didn't realize that, that it made me vulnerable. You know, mm -hmm. and to step out of your, your comfortable position where you are a private citizen and now you're judged by people that got to vote for you. You're judged by, you're influenced by donor money. You're influenced by so many different things that are moving. You become, you know, and I think they taught us that lesson kind of through our, our leaders in the 60s and 70s, right? That if you're the head, you can be shot at. You can be taken out. And and so I do warn people when people say, yo, Los, you know, talk to me about running for office. I, I try to walk them through like all the things that are going to change in your life. 
and don't believe the hype. You're not going. So we could go in and take talk about police reform, right? And and talk about how you know it takes longer to become a barber mm. than it does to become a, a police officer. <laughs> but until you change who the district attorney is, until you change who the court clerk is, until you change the districting of the town and the mortgages that happen in that town and the makeup of that town, it doesn't change who enforces the policy, even if you have a fair policy on the books. And you have to fight like you know to the death just to get a policy on the books. So it was that Sisyphus rock when you keep pushing that rock up the hill and it rolls back. It's I mean, not that's going away. It, it, it's it's and so I argue, like, are we doing better than our generations before? Are we moving the ball down the field? Or are we just really setting up the next generation to follow into this burning house that we're in? And, and that's the conflict for me. It's like, which way do you go? Which way do you go? Okay. I think it leads into, I think it's going to lead into the, your topic ultimately. But what is the place of activists on the ground? Or how well do those two relationships work? With one another, since you've since you've had an opportunity to see it, do they do they mesh well, or do you have issues going back and forth? Oh, there's always issues. I think I think Big mm. L talked about it in terms of in terms of community organizer. I grew up a community organizer, mm. right? And so my idea my idea that I like to say I always do is to create consensus by getting everybody's opinion. But then you know, there's old sayings about if you want to go somewhere fast, you go alone, and if you want to go mm. somewhere far, you go with a lot of people. A lot of times that does not always going to work with people. No. If I need to get somewhere and you elect me, you know, I want to have the autonomy to move in that direction. But at the same time, I'm only as powerful as the team that stands with me. So you're always in that position of being torn. How many people am I moving on behalf of? Am I, am I self-appointed or did I talk to 100 people or did I talk to 1,000 people? I, and are these 1,000 people happy? You know, all it takes is two or three of them to be like, well, you didn't pay me enough attention. And now they're whispering something else about you. So there's... That's it's what I hate and what I like about politics is there's always conflict because you're just dealing with people. And whether it's business or politics or, you know, sports, whatever it is, you put enough people together and there's going to be conflict. I think that the, the positive of it is, is do we have the leadership? Do we have enough leadership and, and behavior within ourselves and discipline to even organize our own communities? Right. So I think we fail there before, before we elect the black presidents and vice presidents and governors and mayors. If we can't agree with our neighbors who who shouldn't get shot, who shouldn't get beat up, what, who should be respected, and, you know, and what happens when someone isn't, you know, if we can't come to that consensus in our neighborhood, then how do we lead beyond our neighborhoods, regardless of what title is bestowed upon us? All right, Los, go ahead and lead into your topic from there, man. I mean, because I so, think mean, we're, we're in it now, man. So I, mean, I, I, can't ask, I, mean, I can't ask some questions of y'all too because I love the conversations y'all have. So it's really like I'm trying to I'm trying to figure this out as my own. Like how do we as a people come back from you know 16 generations from slavery, 31 generations under Jim Crow, and three and three and a half generations since we had the right to vote. Which battle route should we be taking and who is ready for which battle and how do we divide all that up? But what is what does true leadership look like in 2021? That's and that's and that's I'd like to be able to reach a consensus on that's like when people argue about who's the best rapper of all time. Like we could argue that forever, our opinion, until you set some criteria to what some leadership standards. looks like, right? Yeah, yeah, if you tell yeah. me most albums, most albums in the top 10, most club it, singles, then we can what we can work it out. But if, if leadership but, right now is popularity, but, which I think is what the US sells us, unfortunately. Then it becomes well, your Because actual standards seem to scare people. <laughs> yeah, and everybody got a different standard. 
Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so I guess the question for me then is when you look at organizations like the Black Lives Matter movement, I'm not talking about the movement itself, I'm talking about the organization, and you have these people that carry so much clout, and I put that in quotations, and how they seem to be pushing, they're pushing a particular agenda. Mm-hmm. How is there a gap in between the realism of the agenda? And what is able to be done, or is is it just a matter of, like you said, just galvanizing, motivating, and doing all those other things to get it squared away? I personally feel like there's a gap. I mean, I, I feel like those in the organization did not build consensus with all the communities that they speak for and represent, and yeah. and that worked. It worked for a little while while everybody was marching in the same direction, but in peacetime, because that connection wasn't fostered, then you yeah. see the tears when the when you're trying to put the troops back into the streets. You know, pardon the metaphor. And and that's and I think that's the problem with with leadership is is it's a constant relationship that you're supposed to have with people if you want people mm-hmm. to to follow you and and without that being fostered I mean so you you know you you've capitalized on I think about the Martin Luther King and Malcolm X right that's what they teach us the, the big social movements sure. and they always credit those in front of the movement but they didn't have social media they didn't have you know big donors. It was really the thousands of people that are passing messages word of mouth and calling on the phone and handing mm-hmm. out flyers. That's the real organization. And those are the people that, that yeah. are building consensus. And I think it's easier for us to miss that now than it has, than it was 10 or 15 years ago, mm-hmm. because now it's who's in the spotlight, who is media recognizing, who's behind yep. the microphone. And it's not the people, you know, and I got snobby about it at one point. I'm like, I've been elected official. I've been an activist. These people are still marching in the streets. The people are marching in the streets are sometimes more active than the people that are standing in front of the microphones. And that maybe that's their first introductory into it. But sure. there's not a lot of connection yeah. and it's and it's not an action plan. Like, what do we take away yeah. from our gatherings when you have a million man yeah. march? What is the mantra going back to your city? What we is change. it? Yep. Right. How much money are you supposed to spend out of your budget in your local community as a result of that of that convening? Because what I've learned is we start to burn people out. Like only so many community meetings you're going to go to, only so many marches you're going to go to yep. um, before you say, you know, this is not working. I'm going to try something else. I'm going to go I'm another good. way. Yeah. You know, and I think that's what we're seeing with this movement as well. If it's not sustained on the ground, then it begins to dissipate and, and, and people go their different ways. And it's funny because Kwame Ture actually said that it's easier to actually organize than it is to mobilize. And he drew the distinction. He said the distinction between organizing and mobilizing is black people have no issue with rallying around a particular cause. We see that the other day where the white dude was harassing the young brother and right. then the next day everybody showed the whole top block showed up. We have house. no issue with organizing those type of things. Our struggle comes in to actually mobilize to turn that particular situation into a movement, a sustainable movement sustainable. to per, to prevent that sort of thing from taking place in the future. So the distinction between Malcolm and Martin is just about every place that Malcolm left after he got finished giving a speech, he left a mosque. At every place, he left something rooted there. And that has a lot to do with their religious component, so it's not a slight towards Dr. King. But that would be a distinction there, because when Dr. King gave a speech, he was on to the next one. And it, it wasn't, it was just the difference between the organizing and the mobilizing. We're great at organizing. We are horrible at mobilizing. I don't think we need 
uh, leaders in the traditional Malcolm Martin Marcus sense. I think we need to have more of a level type of leadership where you have a, you know, a round justice league type of table where everybody has an input and we need to have solidarity along differences where people have different views. If you're an assimilationist, you can bang with an integrationist on some things. You don't have to agree on the core principles, but like, and again, using Malcolm as an example, ballot of the bullet speech. What does he say? You know, I'm a Muslim. He's a Baptist. He's this, he's that, but we all have the same enemy. And when we can agree that we have the same enemy, and that's it's a, it's a whole lot of motherfuckers don't even agree that we have the same enemy same right enemy. now. That's so, yeah. 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 This is a good part. So, okay, so I think the next question that I have, because you guys brought some very salient points, right? The next point that I have, I think, is how do we necessarily say that we're going to trust the movement? Because we've got a lot of issues that have been happening now with the Black Lives Matter organization, global organization. I mean, Tamir Rice's mom has been beefing with uh, what's what's old girls Tamika Mallory, Tamika Mallory. for yeah, for how long? And I think and the the voice and the 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 voice I'll say the voice that uh, Miss Rice has been pulling out has been getting louder and louder. So it makes sense like okay, well we want to make this change. We don't want there to be another George Floyd. We don't want there to be another Dante Wright. But the organization or the movement seems to also be corrupted. So we're battling from both ends. Like you can't trust the movement and you can't trust the politicians that are supposed to be helping us to make the change. Yeah. I mean, I think this dependency is a motherfucker, right? And, and we're so, we're so codependent and interdependent upon each other. Um, I think that the, what builds trust is honesty. And I think to some degree we have, you know, we talk honestly when there's a, a few of us or behind closed doors, but the yeah. truth of the matter, and that's why I say I keep going back to Animal Planet, because the truth is, are we going to stop violence? Are we going to stop white people who have been killing people in just this half of the hemisphere for 500 years? Are we going to pass a bill or a march in a certain city that's going to make them stop? I don't think so. So I don't ever want to raise any money under that pretext that, that it's going to go to prevent that. I mean, I think if we start to be really honest with our goals and that's, you know, and and it every time I start to think of it, it scares me because even if I start to think about a self-sustainable town or neighborhood, you get mm. into the, the black Wall Streets in Tulsa and you think about that they had everything covered except for defense and military. Right. Mm. And they, so we are we still a level behind that monster is still looming in the background. Like even if you become self-sufficient on this on this continent or even on another one, they have things and people that will come get you for it. So. It's it's we have to be honest about what we're really trying to achieve. And I think if we start to separate out our circle of influence from our circle of concern and start to focus more on our circle of influence. And sometimes that might just be our nuclear family or the, the four houses around us. Maybe we're not ready to be hashtagging it everywhere and marching on different cities when we don't have our home cities and putting that energy into our home cities and neighborhoods to find that consensus among our neighbors yet. I think that's fair. Yeah, definitely. You guys are making me feel very pessimistic about this whole thing. Bro, listen, what's the reality of like, it, bro? No, 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 no I want to be a breath of fresh air coming on this show because L's always be Mr. Debbie Downer and shit. You came in here, you, you guys are on the same wavelength and shit. I'm like, God damn. Yeah. I mean, Listen, man, when you out in these streets actually doing community organizing, I'm telling you, the top three question that I get after every event or rally is something to do with money. I'm telling you, how much money was spent? How much money did you make? And and Los mentioned the honesty component. 
there has to be a deep level of transparency. Like you got to almost volunteer, yo, this is how much money we've made. This is what we did because right. we have such a deep seated distrust. We've seen our leaders get co-opted. We've seen folks go from Jesse Jackson on the balcony with Dr. King to him co-opting the Rainbow Coalition. We've seen Al Sharpton coming up and doing great work to ultimately ban an FBI snitch. We we see how easy it is for our leaders to get co-opted. So when we see Tamika Mallory in the Cadillac commercial, doing the, and we see her on the Grammys, we see these things. It's easy for capitalism to because we live in a capitalistic society, folks is trying to get the bag. And there is no quicker way to get a bag right now than off of the blood of dead black folks. Never has been a quicker way in this country. Facts. Never has been. Always been the fastest way. Okay, so I guess how do we weed those folks out then? Or is 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 that just a pipe dream? Is that not possible to weed hmm. these people out that ultimately could get co-opted? You can't I mean, stop we, we have to have some sort of structure or so, some sort of organization to make things happen because, I mean, strength in numbers, we've already discussed that. So how do we do that? You can't stop. Well, well, I mean, the, the, the fact is the, the real people doing the work are behind the scenes. They're not concerned with the, with the spotlight or the fame or the media or anything. They're focused on, on a clear-cut goal. I mean, unfortunately, they are in a, you know, probably a, a, a pretty unseen majority or minority rather, but they're there and they're, they're the ones that count and just let them do their work and, and, and somehow find ways to protect them. You know, these people will fizzle these, these people who want to, you know, want to grab the spotlight will, will, uh, will, will wither under scrutiny in, 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 in due time. Yeah, I agree with that. I mean, I, I think it's just a tactic of war that you're always going to have, you know, insiders that go the wrong way. I think the one thing I do, I do believe in, in social movements, is young people. I think younger people are a lot more passionate and for good ways, hard-headed, and it's, it's harder to co-opt them because they're not tied to as many worldly things to use a good Christian saying, right? Like <laughs> they don't have a mortgage. They're not looking for that good spot in corporate America yet. So, you know, you know, that's when you get co-opted, right? When you got a mortgage payment and you got some bills to pay or you have something to lose. Um, you know, if you're 19 or 20, most social movements, whether they're military or socially based, they're led by young people because they have oh, that vigor. They have that. They can follow their passion. So yeah, I find myself trying yeah. to pour what I have into young people and hopefully, you know, in my arm, a couple of young cats, you know, earlier than I, I got hip to it. And they can at least start to change it in their communities. But I think, you know, it really, you know, when we really look at the so, the psychology of America, black. I mean, we know ours, right? Especially gentlemen that are talking so openly about therapy. You look at your own life, you can then look back at the generations that we go through. When I talk about us underestimating our enemy, like imagine what we know what it's like to grow up under slavery, our ancestors under slavery. But the flip side of that coin is a hell of a drug, too. To to know that you to be raised to always be right, to always solve things with violence, from Yosemite Sam to the cowboys and Indians, for your for your genocide to be hidden in heroes. You know what I'm saying? Like mm-hmm. that's a, that's a mind fuck. And I'm not, I'm not giving them. No, no, no. That's, I think that's they true. But yeah. they need just as much therapy as we do if they were to undo all the, the pathologies that they've gained over this same 400-year period. And that mountain is huge. huge. And it's in everything. That mountain everything. is in everything. Your religion, mm-hmm. your right. education. It's, it's, your, it's, it's over everything. Your, 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 your economics. Yeah. Everything. everything. 
Your and own psychology, right. Yeah, that's why it's so easy for our leaders to get co-opted, man, because, again, one of the great things that we see is we've always had great leaders who believed in doing the work for the people, whether we agreed with their philosophy or principles wholeheartedly, whether it was WDB, whether it was George, whoever it was, we always had leaders. But again, like Los brought up earlier, every time that we put a leader in place, they have already looked 10 steps down the board to put something in place to sidetrack them. COINTELPRO, we've seen it. We, we, we've seen the war on drugs. We see Nixon do it when he yeah. instituted not getting and then, all that money. To and then Reagan put that shit on steroids. Yeah, it's like, yo, mm-hmm. we right. see it, man. That's right. the game. Yeah, yeah, it's a goddamn shame. And, and, if, and if we sitting around and we can think of it from sitting around analyzing it, and they, and this is what all that they do is sit around and fill a, in rooms thinking of it before we think of it. You know what I mean? What did what did three stacks say? And they made them gas. They got some shit that'll this blow out our back place. from where they stay at. You know what I mean? Like that's <sighs> that's a whole nother world, man. And he looking for good news, bro. They, they, yeah, they putting they putting <laughs> mother, spaceships you... in space and. They building things that you know what I'm saying. Look, I already told you, you my your emotions was on a number five and four and shit. You guys, yeah. <laughs> I'm trying to hold on. Man. I can't God, lie. To, I can't lie to the folk, man. Nah, it's rough man, out here, I, man. Nah, that's right. what we're here for. Right. That's what we're here for. We can't have, do it. Y'all have the good conversations, man. So I, I knew I was going to be coming for a good conversation. I'm, I'm I appreciate it. No doubt, no doubt. All right, right about now is the time when we'd like to give you little tidbits of news or words of wisdom that you can take with yourself into the week. So. Uh, we'll let our guests go first. Los, any words of wisdom or news that you can go? What's up? Yeah, I guess I was kind of balance all that heavy stuff we just laid out there um, and really trying to keep a balance. You know what I mean? I, I spoke about kind of being torn in between your know, thoughts and, 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 and living. And I think often our thoughts will lead us into the past and lead us into the future. And I think that usually either brings us sour, so, uh, sorrow and pain or rigidness and, and, you know, a sense of control for how we want things to be. But I find in my in my personal day to day practice is trying to be in the present because that's where I have the most control over things, um, and I find the most peace there. So that would be my tidbit and takeaway for the week is try to be in the present no matter what all, all the things that are going on around you. No doubt, mm, no doubt. Good. Crush, what's up, man? Oh man, I just want to send a quick shout out to uh, Mr. Nasir Jones, who uh, as an early investor. Coinbase, Coinbase, Coinbase. Coinbase IPO. His, uh, his stake is now worth an uh, uh, estimated forty million dollars, and uh, the, no, the, current, the currency close exchange was valued close, at nine hundred million. Okay, all right, shut up. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Damn, you just stepped all over my man. Yeah, yeah, I thought it was feedback. I was dark, like, sk- dark skin savages, bro. <laughs> You know, I mean, look, I'll, I'll admit, I'm a, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm a stock, I'm a, I'm a stock and investment baby with this. I'm still learning, absorbing it all, and I'm definitely taking good examples from uh, some of the cats I grew up on. So, shout out to Mr. Jones. Yeah, don't I listen to Sean. I hate, though, your, I hate your goofy ass so much. Yeah, I'm not getting no advice from that guy. I'm not getting goofy ass so much. Al, what's up, man? <laughs> uh, man, you know what? I I wish I had something pretty decent and inspiring uh but two questions have barely been sitting on my spirit here the past particularly with dante wright and with the young brother adam toledo uh from a black perspective for the black community two questions what does justice look like for 
black folks in America? What is justice? Because we see we can't trust the system to investigate the system and prosecute the system and incarcerate the system. Systems the built very to system. sustain itself. Yeah. So what does justice look like? And what does peace look like for us? Hmm. Hmm. That's a heavy hmm. fucking question, my guy. Yeah, that's, a heavy, that's a heavy too, yeah. That's a heavy fucking peace? question. Peace? Dude, I don't think that we know what peace looks like. We have, we've been living in warfare for how many fucking decades, man? Or, or justice. Or, or justice. trauma. Or just... We've been living in trauma, you know, and in ICU for the past 40 years. I don't know what justice looks like, man. Right. It's been sold as revenge is, is what yeah. justice always seems. Yeah. Right? yeah. Whether right or wrong. That's yeah. what they fear the most. What's up for me this week, man, is that uh, recently there was news that a former Buffalo police officer, her name is Carrie Horn, that they she went to court and finally was able to win back her pension. Now, why is that an important thing? Um, Carrie O'Horn, back in 2006, was on the beat, and one of her her partner at the time was arresting a, a suspect, already had him handcuffed, and choked him, almost choked him to death. She tried to stop him initially, and it got to the point that he was so aggressive with the choke that she basically had to lay hands on this dude to get him to stop choking the suspect uh the entire system raised up against her and fired her for aggressive i forget what the term is specifically but is essentially um unwarranted and aggressive assault against another police officer right. not only did they fire her but they held off on the court case until she was maybe two months away from getting her full pension and let her go she's been fighting that battle for the past 15 plus years and she finally won it they gave her back pay and including her almost one million dollars in pension that she was owed because of this foolishness i think the biggest part about why that is so relevant is that the aggressive nature that they said that she displayed is the same thing that people have been fighting for for how long and police are doing it day to day and the police and the system found it easy to get rid of one of their own for bucking the system. I think Trevor Noah said it a little bit. He's going to say it more eloquently than I can probably say it. But he said that we've been looking for the good apples for a long time. You can make the argument whether or not there are good police officers. Yes, there are good police officers, but good apples. No, good no, apples meaning <laughs> good apples meaning the ones that are actually going to stand up and say something when they see something wrong, right? <sighs> I know you. I know you have a hard time with it, but Carrie, I, 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 I hate that the whole listen, thought process. I, I, and I get him, it. I, I yeah. dig it, but I think Carrie happened to be one of those quote unquote good apples, right? Because she stood up when she saw something wrong and she got punished for it. You don't think so? You don't Dude, think that she was I'm a not, good apple? I'm not going to make her a good apple because we have one incident on record where she's done the right thing. That's, that's, that's right. fair. That's right. fair. That's fair. That's fair. Mm -hmm. I can dig it. I can dig it. I. I my thought was, like I said, after watching this whole thing transpire, I thought that it was fitting that it took not only 14 years for them to finally get a black mayor in the city that passed a bill that would allow her to then take advantage of the injustice that she served since 15 years ago. So shout out to her for being able to finally put, put shout this out. I'm glad she got the bag. Yeah. 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 She, after all, I bag. mean, it's not like it wasn't money that she, she worked for and shit. So they, right. they took all of that shit from her. But anyway. It is what it is. You're such a nice guy. 
I try to be. I mean, one of us has to be the bad guy. You already took that match. You always bring Trevor Noah and Roland because Martin I'm, and I'm, all look, these. Why, why do you hate me? Because I'm a nice. I just dude. told you that I try to be optimistic. You're such a bastard. All this dude, the Trevor time. Noah, man, he had over hundred thousand likes and shares on that bullshit, and I'm like. Stop pushing that one bad apple, good apple. It's the fucking so soil. I mean, no, it's the soil. It's the soil. He, he, no, he, said, it, he said that, that it's the. He said it's the entire tree. He said it in the thing. He said it's it ain't the, the tree. tree. It ain't the tree. It's, it's the right. soil. It's rooted it's in difference. the soil. Like it's you, the have soil. A, you have a good gangbanger, a good a good yeah. gang member. Like every institution you, is built you go on. You know, there's a gangbanger with the heart you, of gold, you, man. You go that. on the drive by, but you get out, you get out like Trey did in Boys in the Hood. You get out right <laughs> before they go. Like that's the only way you got a good gangbanger. You know? So you know what's going on. Yo, let me out. Yo, let me out. <laughs> you fucking oh, Otherwise, no. otherwise oh. you in it, man. Otherwise, no doubt, no doubt. Yeah. I know, I know. Carlos Enriquez, Caballero, thank you, man. I That's appreciate right. you coming through, man, kicking it with us, man. I know you got better things to do than to talk to light-skinned people, but you came through, and I appreciate that shit. Please tell these good folks where they can find you if they'd like to find you, man. Sure. I'm, I'm trying to stay busy. So uh, I, I have a radio show on Sundays at 10 a.m., an internet radio show on sparkfmonline.com. It's called The Public Service Announcement. That's every Sunday from 10 a.m. to noon. Um, I have a website that I maintain for uh, podcasting and some kind of and sometimes blogging, but not very regular. Oh, but, but that's uh, stillrepping.com, and that's to continue some of my community service and work there. Um, and then, like I said, I do political consulting to pay the bills. I do try to help good candidates, um, not the evil ones, uh, attain public office or at least make a good <laughs> run at it. Um, and that's under a company I call CH2 Group. So I got you know irons in a lot of different pots, trying to start some small companies like a landscaping group. If you're in, in Boston. There's a group called sure. Universal Groundworks that I work with a couple of brothers trying to start some small businesses there um, and hire young brothers in the neighborhood. So doing a lot of different things, but uh, you can always Google me, Carlos Enriquez, or find me um, the PSA show on Twitter, the PSA show on Instagram, or still repping. Uh, both no doubt, no doubt. Make sure you hit me up with the uh, with all of those social media so we can make sure to have it in the uh, description. I definitely will. No doubt. Crush, where can people find you if they want to find you, man? On Instagram at SP Methods or the Orange Crush with a K. No doubt. Listen, man, they know where I'm at. I mean, the motherfuckers find me every week. I know. I know. Listen, and they always say, man, I love you. Nah, that's not what they say. That you do. You get the hate mail. I don't no, 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 no. I think you've done a very good job that I read the hate mail. You don't read the hate mail. You're like, fuck that shit. Yeah, I don't even read my bills. What the fuck am I reading hate mail? You're in a good spiritual place. Keep my mind. Don't do that. Don't lift this dude up with that bullshit, man. that pie balance. Come on, bro. You know how it is. Whatever. I'm big old Mr. In the Black himself. You can find me on Twitter and on Instagram at MR underscore in the black. And I want to thank you guys once again for joining us for another incredible episode of the In the Black Podcast. You could have been anywhere else in the world, but you chose to kick it with us and we appreciate it. Make sure you follow us across social media at In the Black PDCST on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. I know that you I know that you love the conversation. Come over and become part of the family. Go join us on Patreon and support black independent black media too. But as always, until next week, informed intelligent in, in the, the black. black in the black peace this is this is the in the black podcast